Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. Oh oh oh, O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bellotti. I hope you guys are doing well. Over here in my corner of the world, I'm currently operating in a state of total disarray, at least as far as my apartment is concerned. I just got back from my two-week adventure over in Montauk out east, and I brought probably the largest suitcase I could have possibly brought for two weeks, like without it being absolutely insane. It's a massive suitcase. And it's currently sitting on my floor, completely untouched. I opened it up to get out like the little things I needed, like toothpaste, toothbrush, hairbrush, those sorts of things, my absolute essentials. But I have yet to delve into the task that every traveler dreads, getting home and having to unpack, having to organize. Like my closet is currently exploding without all this stuff in there. So I think I'm going to have to do a massive closet purge, which I wasn't planning on doing until after summer was over, but I think it has to happen now. So we're going to delve into that in probably a day or two because the work has just been go, go, go. I've been doing so many things for clients this week now that I'm back on my two feet. It feels like I wasn't off technically last week. And if anything, I did a lot more working like shooting YouTube stuff, Instagram stuff, all that. Last week, while I was in a different setting, it was very cool having another place to shoot things that wasn't this apartment because I feel like I've exhausted like every single angle in this apartment. But yeah, the outfits were great, but now they are sitting in my suitcase begging to be washed, begging to be put away. And I just haven't gotten, you know, emotionally, I haven't gotten there yet. So we're going to work on that. That is something on my lengthy to-do list. Quite a few things I just kept pushing into this week. One of which being recording this episode, which actually I always do, like the week of, the day before, the literal like afternoon before I post. So everything you ever hear is very fresh. Let me assure you of that. Very in the moment. I don't schedule these out. Like I probably should just to save myself and my lovely editor the work and the time. But you know what? I like it fresh. We like it fresh around here, freshly served. So I've actually been jotting down little things here and there throughout the past couple of weeks, just like little interactions I had, little things I thought about, and I wove them together today into a very good episode. I haven't done it yet, but I can tell you it's going to be good by the end. Like I know, I have this feeling about it. And I'm in a certain kind of mood here, sitting on the floor with my open suitcase next to me and just like stuff everywhere. I'm feeling very thoughtful, very overstimulated in a very thoughtful way. So I'm going to unpack it all. Before I unpack my suitcase, I'll be unpacking all of these thoughts 
with you guys. And I think like the gist, the general kind of theme of this episode before I even do it is going to be kind of the feeling that I constantly get where I feel that I am this literal walking, talking contradiction of a person. Like I constantly feel like my personal brand, what the heck is it? Because I could not tell you. Like who am I really? Can I actually even be nailed down into one thing? Like what do people say when they talk about me? When I'm not around, how do they describe me to their friends? How do people that watch my content online, listen to my content online, how do they define me? What are these key characteristics that I have? Because when I think of myself and think of who I am, all I see are total contradictory characteristics constantly. Like I don't think I can be nailed down. I'm not even saying that like on my high horse, like I'm so cool and mysterious. No, I really just think that I, even after 26 years, can't seem to figure out how I feel about anything. It's really just like in the given moment, I feel this way and I could totally change my mind and act a whole different way in the next minute. And it's very confusing. So if you've ever felt that way in any nook and cranny of your being, this is the episode for you. Also, if you've ever felt a little sensitive, a little bit like you've overreacted and you're not sure why or other people would say you overreacted and you think that it's a bad thing, this is an episode for you. This is a love letter to you, okay? So back to what I was just saying about the things that other people say to describe us or like how they would describe us, little things that stick out to people about you. And I will say the most amazing feeling or like the best, I don't want to call it a compliment, but just the most amazing remark that someone can make is to say like, oh, I've noticed this about you or I've noticed remembering little things. I mean, that's like the hottest thing ever, especially if like someone you're dating or seeing remembers something that you said. I know bare minimum, but it does light you up inside. Like don't even tell me it doesn't. But when a friend especially is like, oh, Katie, maybe even someone that you don't know very well, like some a new friend makes a remark like, oh, Katie, I've noticed this about you. I mean, it shows the reason why it really does light you up inside is because it shows that someone is taking notice, someone cares enough to take note of something that you do or say or how you are about something. But there's one thing that really stuck out to me in the past two weeks when I was in the Hamptons house. I was out with Brooke and Danielle, who are two other influencers. We actually became friends back in the old YouTube era. We met at this Playlist Live convention. I actually don't quite recall us meeting, but I mean, I definitely, I met so many people. Like, I knew who they were. It wasn't that I, like, didn't know them. But us meeting IRL, apparently, Brooke dropped a drink in front of me and was so mortified. But it's crazy the details that your brain hangs on to because I don't even recall that scenario happening. But we are now, flash forward to all these years later, very good friends, hang out all the time, plan this Montauk house. And, you know, even though we, I would say we know each other pretty well, it's definitely one of those things where we could get to know each other even deeper. And while we were on this trip for the two weeks, there was one moment that really stuck out to me. We were in the kitchen and I think we were talking, it kind of went into the whole like resting bitch face concept of like, I think one of the two of them, I believe it was Brooke was saying that she has a resting bitch face, which I don't like see. I guess it's always interesting what people point out about themselves. And then (laughs) she was saying, Katie, Danielle and I were talking about it. You have such a kind resting face. (laughs) 
<laughs> like a just a peaceful, I don't even know the word they used to describe it, but just like not like happy, go lucky, but just like a pleasant resting face. And it was interesting, the range of emotions that I felt when I heard that, because first, the way that she phrased it, like, oh, Danielle and I were saying. So I'm like, you guys were talking when I wasn't around saying this very kind thing about me, which made me feel good, obviously. Like, you always want the people that you're around to, when you're not around, reflect fondly on you, right? Like, that's just a general thing. But it also triggered a memory that I completely forgot about back in my, I believe, like 15, 16-year-old days of working at this Italian ice shop. I worked at Rita's Italian Ice also called Rita's Water Ice by a lot of people in Jersey, I've learned. Um, Or maybe it's Philly. I think Philly actually is where they call it, Rita's Water Ice. But I called it Rita's Italian Ice. I was a treat team member for a full year and a half. I know, long stint. Funny enough, I actually only lasted at L'Oreal for a year and a half as well. So I guess I have a track record with these sorts of things. But when I was working there, I remember being so nervous, like working there. It was my first job. I was 15, which is extremely young. Like it's a freshman in high school job where you're still trying to figure out who you are and you're scared of authority. I mean, I still kind of am in some way, shape or form. I've talked about this before, but at the time I was just terrified because I was working with these older girls and by older, I mean, they were like 17. Okay. I think the oldest person I worked with maybe was 18 and she was like the manager, but I was so just on edge all the time. I don't think even by the end of that job, I ever felt relaxed. Like I was very on edge, always overstimulated, like always looking over my shoulder, stepping on eggshells, making sure I was doing everything right. Because I feel like that's how you are at that age a lot of the time, especially when you want to be told you're doing a good job. You want to, you don't want to disappoint anyone, that sort of thing. And so I remember one day this older girl, like the cool older girl who had like piercings and tattoos. She was like 17 years old, had like tattoos and a boyfriend that would come over to the shop and like pick her up from work on his motorcycle, you know, like that kind of girl. She, I looked up to her in so many ways. I was like, you are cooler than I will ever be, ever. She once said to me, she's like, Katie, you are always smiling. Like, does your face get tired? (laughs) And I realized when she said that, I wasn't smiling because I was happy. I was smiling because I was so afraid of disappointing anybody. I was very aware of a lot of the girls coming in with sour attitudes, not wanting to be there. I mean, after all, it's work. I didn't really want to be there either. I just wanted to be able to go to the mall and spend my money on Aeropostal, you know? So the fact that she said this made me realize that just think about all the things that I do for other people's comfort. Because I never wanted to be that black storm cloud. Because, I mean, going to work already sucks, okay? I didn't want to be that negative energy. I also wanted people to think or know that they could talk to me, that I'm not going to judge them. Like, I am an ear. I'm here, you know? And I feel like I still feel that way. I don't want anyone to ever be afraid of me. Like, that is not what I want still to this day. If there's one thing that I want is I want people to think that they can talk to me, you know? And so bringing us back to present day when Brooke and Danielle were saying that I have a pleasant resting face, I realized, I mean, maybe I've graduated from not smiling all the time because smiling, if you smile forever, like if you've done any sort of like photo shoot or, you know, any 
work event where you feel like you're just plastered on smile, it does hurt. Like it doesn't feel great to be smiling all day. Like I definitely came home from work at the ice cream shop and felt like my face muscles hurt, okay? So I've graduated to, I guess, just like a pleasant face. I don't know, like just like a resting, like, I don't know what you even call it. Like when Brooke and Danielle said this to me, I was just like shook that I even do this. But it makes sense because I always want people to feel this energy around me that they can talk to me. And this got me thinking, classic me thinking all the time about the real reason why I do things like this and why many people do things like this. It's because we know how it feels to walk into a room where everyone looks miserable and angry or like really intense and how scary that can be if you're a little bit more sensitive, you know? And this just got the wheels turning in my head. I'm like, what are all these things that I do because I know how I'd like other people to be? And this got me thinking about sensitivity and highly sensitive people. This led me to realize that I, indeed, I am a highly sensitive person. And literally, like, I don't even know, I think I saw a stat, like 20% of the population considers themselves to be a highly sensitive person. And I've seen this acronym HSP all over Reddit. And I'm like, what does this even mean? And I also thought it was such a negative thing that I didn't want to be lumped into that camp. So then I did some research. Then I did some reading. I read some stories. I read so many things about highly sensitive people. And it all just clicked in my freaking head. It clicked so much that I went down a total rabbit hole and found a TED Talk about highly sensitive people by this author, which I'll have linked in the show notes. It's a very, very compelling video. But she described it like this. She said, being a highly sensitive person is this. A touch is a blow. A sound is a noise. A misfortune is a tragedy. A joy is an ecstasy. A friend is a lover. A lover is a god. And failure is death. <laughs> that, like I sat here on my floor holding my coffee And it's just like, whoa, that hit hard because that is me to a T. Like some would say I'm dramatic, but I think I just feel a lot all the time. I'm always overanalyzing and thinking and trying and doing. And I don't think my brain ever rests really. Like I feel like a whale. I read once that whales, when they're, you know, they're down in the water doing their thing, Like half their brain will go to sleep and the other half will stay awake so they can be aware of just their surroundings and make sure they don't stop swimming and stop breathing or something. And then the other half will like kick into gear and then the other half will go to sleep. Or I don't know if I made that up. I think that's true. My dad read this whole book on whales and he had me read a chapter. Like classic dad things, reading a whole book on whales. Anyway, so in that video though also she said that most highly sensitive people have a genuine urge to create connection and meaning. Because they feel every pain they see, they want to elevate the forgotten and save the misfortunate. Which makes us sound like this like Jesus type, but really I think it's just from knowing very deeply how we feel. It's almost kind of, it's not a selfish thing, but it's just knowing ourselves very deeply to the point where we want other people not to feel how we feel. Sometimes, you know, going back to what I've said, like I feel like this walking contradiction because I do consider myself to be outgoing. I do like a party. I like people, but I also get overstimulated easily and have to draw back and I'm worried and I'm scared. And it's just like such a weird combination, you know, like I remember growing up. This is 
a very strangely specific memory, but I remember taking the Myers-Briggs personality test in like one of my classes. I think it was probably health class. We had this health class professor or teacher who really you could just tell she'd roll in like hungover. She did not want to be there. She hardly taught us about anatomy. I remember she played that video that everyone in the American school system or like in public school system has to watch of like a woman giving birth. It's very graphic. You're like forced to watch this. And it's almost like birth control because you're like, I don't want that to happen to me at this age. But anyway, she had us take this Myers-Briggs personality test. And I think it's because it like shut us up for like an hour. And I remember taking it and there was a few like smart Alex in the class that are like, I've already taken this and like I'm this, 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 and this. And that means I'm the best or whatever. And I remember hearing that the E at the beginning was crucial because it meant that you're an extrovert. And obviously like it's a sexy thing to be an extrovert or to say you are, right? So I was just desperately hoping at the end of the test, I would have an E. So I took the test and voila, I was an ENFJ, extroverted, intuitive, feeling, and judging. But then I thought, oh my God, wait, I probably just like totally skewed the data because I went into it with this one goal. So I should probably take it again. So I like waited a few weeks. Like this is just me just overdoing it as per usual, like had to take it again <laughs> to make sure that I was still the same thing. And I like really cleared my mind. I really answered honestly. And it turned up the same ENFJ. And like I said, I guess it does make sense because I do like people. I crave connection. I'm expressive. I love meeting new people. I love conversation. I love having very polarizing opinions and talking about them. Like I like all that stuff, but then why do I feel overwhelmed at times when I'm doing this? Like while I'm doing these things that I genuinely do love, why do I feel overwhelmed? Why do I feel like I have to lock myself away until I feel less overstimulated by whatever environment I was just in? So for a while, I felt like this imposter because of this because I couldn't quite figure myself out. But learning that I am this highly sensitive person that can be outgoing. It's just not a one-size-fits-all thing. The TED Talker discussed this. Like there's different shades to what a highly sensitive person looks like. Like you might not even think if you're listening to this, like I've never considered myself personally to be this highly sensitive person, but it does come in varying shades and varying degrees. It's not one-size-fits-all whatsoever. Dr. Elaine Aaron, she's a clinical psychologist, she actually coined this term highly sensitive in her 1996 book, The Highly Sensitive Person. So Elaine is the reason I'm discussing this today. And she explained that high sensitivity or sensory processing sensitivity, SPS, is an inherited genetic trait that affects approximately 20% of the world's population. So Abraham Lincoln, Jane Goodall, Princess Diana, Catherine Hepburn, MLK Jr., Albert Einstein, Steve Martin, Eleanor Roosevelt, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Robert Frost, Emily Dickinson, the list goes on, Neil Young, Frida Kahlo, Barbara Streisand. These are all people who have claimed to be highly sensitive, all wildly talented and maybe for a reason. But have we ever stopped long enough to consider that word sensitive? Like just really think about it. I think a lot of us out here just assume we know what the word sensitive means. But for me, and probably a lot of you guys too, like I think that I put the association that I have with the word above the actual meaning. Like I consider that a lot of people use it with this negative connotation. So it must be this deeply negative thing that would be such an insult to be called 
like, oh, she's being too sensitive. She's weak. She's scared. He's scared. He's weak. You know, they have no backbone. They cry easily. But those things I just said are not a definition, okay? That's an association. And it's not always the only one. So I looked up the definition of that word, sensitive, and here's what I found. A person who is sensitive is, quote, quick to detect or respond to slight changes, signals, or influences, having or showing awareness and understanding. And this, to me, (laughs) I mean, it does remind me, I always go back in time, you guys know this, to the literal caveman days of survival, okay? Survival before it was kind of you know, it was easier (laughs) having to look at someone's hands when they're talking to make sure that they're not holding a spear or something that's going to kill you or making sure you're sensitive to sounds and smells and changes in the world to make sure you're not going to be attacked by a gigantic tiger looming around the corner, you know, like those sorts of sensitivity things. And actually going back to what I just said about the hands thing, I actually also watched this other TED talk like a few weeks ago. I'm just like, whenever I don't know what to put on, I just go on YouTube and I put on a TED Talk. This woman who she's an expert in body language, she was talking about how when you're speaking with someone, okay, you're like in IRL talking to someone at a party or wherever you are. If I asked you where you're looking first, like when you're in this conversation, don't think too much into it. Where are you looking? Where are your eyes going? And usually, like if I were asked this question before watching this TED Talk, I would say, oh, I'm looking at their face. I'm looking at their eyes. But if it's a decently well-lit place, she said, actually, the first place you're going to look is at the person's hands or you're going to notice them. Maybe even just for a split second, the first thing you're going to see and look at are their hands. So now I'm going to think about this always. And I guess when I'm talking to a guy, I do love looking at the hands because I think hands are kind of like a hot thing. But she said that the reason why we do this is because of those days that I was just referencing way back when, when people could be potentially holding something that could kill you. So people are looking at your hands. If you put your hands behind your back, they're going to feel anxious. They're going to feel overwhelmed. Like, what is she holding back there? What is she doing? So if you want to make someone really uncomfortable, just put your hands in your pockets or behind your back, you know? Maybe that's why I feel so uncomfortable when someone puts their hands in their pockets and they're, they're talking to me. I'm like, just what are you doing in there? Like, you don't look cool. <laughs> but back to what I was saying. Okay, so the definition that I read, the sensitive definition. I don't find that definition to be indicative of anything bad. I think it only really sounds like a smart thing. Like, quick to detect or respond to slight changes, signals, influences, having or showing awareness and understanding. Like, does that sound bad? Not really. So yesterday, I was actually coming back from the Hamptons yesterday morning, left surf camp. I went to this brief little surf camp with Cynthia Rowley, and then I was leaving yesterday morning. I got this car service. It was a brand deal. So this car was paid for, not by me, and I was posting about it like that was the deal. So I get in this car and Well, first of all, before I even got in the car, my suitcase, I just told you guys earlier how freaking huge it is. So heavy also. So I was, you know, bringing it down the stairs of the hotel, getting to the car and the guy obviously comes out and is trying to put it in his trunk. And I was wearing this like full length gown because like, why would I wear sweatpants in the car? I'm literally crazy. And I was like, oh my God, let me help you. And he was like, no, 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 this is my job. I was like, no, let me help you. So once we get in the car though, I... I'm just sitting there and I'm like in silence. He asked if I wanted the radio or anything. And I'm like, oh, I don't care, but like whatever you want. And he just like didn't put anything on. And I put my headphones in and was listening to a podcast. And instantly I was overcome with this stress that, oh my God, maybe I should have said yes. So then he can listen to something. It's a three hour drive. Like what is he going to do for three hours just in silence? Like I felt bad. 
And I realized like what I was doing. I was sensing this environmental thing and sensing this person's thoughts that may not even be true. And I think that is one of the downfalls of being highly sensitive. I think any of us could agree with that. It's like if we analyze something too much, like overanalyze to the point where we're inventing stress that isn't there, like maybe he was comfortable with silence. Like, I don't know. But that was just like a little instance where now the pieces are just coming together and I'm like, I am highly sensitive and sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not because I was sitting there so stressed for three hours, even though I told him he can play whatever he wants, feeling this guilt. (laughs) Like that was just something I thought of. So as I was perusing this whole highly sensitive concept, I needed to find other people who also feel this way. So I went on Reddit And I discovered that there is this whole forum on there, guys, where people post like little things that happen to them where they feel like they're being sensitive and other people in the community will comment on it and make them feel less crazy. So like I could put that scenario that I just said into this forum and other people would be like, oh my God, I feel that way too. And guys, the community in any way, shape or form of just anything, having someone say and validate like this is how I feel also, like I feel the same way. It just means the world in that given moment where you're overwhelmed. And I think that this podcast, like if there's one thing that I want from this podcast, I want that. Like I want you guys to hear these things and say to yourself, okay, I'm not crazy. So I read this post in the forum and it really clicked with me. So the opening line like or the subject was, do you also feel people's vibes when you first meet them? Most of the time, I care about people, even strangers. I get concerned if food servers or the maintenance staff get tired. However, on few cases, if I meet someone emitting certain vibes I can't explain but makes me decide to draw, to draw. I actually didn't understand that part. (laughs) I keep my distance and my mind just says I don't like you. So I guess they mean like just gives you a weird, unsettled, not great feeling. They say, I know it's kind of unfair, but it really drains me to try to get curious about these people. My guts tell me to stay away from. Thoughts. And one comment said, yes, all the time. I actually start coughing if someone's energy is too much for me. That's my sign that I need to stay away from them or at least stay away from them for that day. Could just be what they're going through at the time. I just take it as a sign that their energy just does not mix well with mine. And the coughing bit sent me because, well, sent me into history because I recalled this one story. So, well, personal story. Back when I was going through sorority recruitment, which was just the most sensory overloading sort of thing. Like for any person, especially if you're highly sensitive, going through sorority recruitment of being like thrust into these conversations that you don't want to have, but you have to have in order to get into this sorority, like having to speak to people, having to gauge whether or not like they are interested in you based on your conversation. Like you're not just having this conversation. You're also, I mean, if you're me at least, or probably a lot of you guys, if you went through it, deeply analyzing this person you're speaking to, trying to say the right things, trying to gauge by their reaction to the things you say, the way that their face turns, like, do they think you're crazy? Do they like you? Are they just trying to be nice? And you know, whatever. So I remember this one specific moment in my school, you got to the end and it was this preference round and you got two houses for your preference round. So we had nine sororities total. I know, small school. We worked our way down like throughout the week. You eliminate people and they eliminate people like on their side, the sorority side and you, the potential new member, PNM, they called it. 
And by the end, you go into preference rounds. You're put into two houses and they call them parties, but they're not parties. They're not fun, okay? You're sitting there in a lot of cases. Actually, this one house that I went into, which I'll talk about, we walked in and you had to slow dance, okay? You had to slow dance in a circle with this girl. So this girl would come greet you at the door and it was kind of like they matched you almost already with your future big, like your future, the person that would kind of shepherd you through the next three years of your experience or two years. And they matched me with this girl who I had spoken to a few times like throughout. So we actually rushed second semester. So you get a whole semester to kind of get to know the sorority girls. It's like dirty rushing. You're not really supposed to, but like it's kind of inevitable because you're going to parties. You're going to see older girls. So I had met her a few times. Like we weren't buddies by any means, but I guess we like knew who each other was. She comes and picks me up at the door and we are ushered in and there's this circle. Like I wasn't the first to go in. I guess they did it the opposite of alphabetical order. So I was like one of the last. So when we're in, there's all these girls just slow dancing like two by two, like not slow dancing like romantically but like she was holding my shoulders I was holding her shoulders and she's just saying all these things about how like she knows my spirit and blah 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 like it's actually kind of crazy that this was a thing and (laughs) she's like telling me all these things about how like I'm home and like she is family and blah 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 but the whole time I was just looking at her in the eyes and I'm like she does not mean any of this this is the weirdest thing ever I'm looking around and I just felt this really horrible energy. And this isn't mean to like any of the people. I just didn't feel comfortable. Like it was more so me. Like I didn't feel good vibes for me personally. So I was already feeling that way. And then we're all sat down in this circle. There's chairs. And I guess the president of the sorority or someone gave this speech like holding candles and was lighting. We were all holding a candle and she lit the one candle and we were supposed to light the persons next to us. And as we're sitting there like lighting all the candles and they're singing – I have this horrible coughing attack. Like I've had coughing attacks in the past and it's always the worst time. And I feel like I get so overwhelmed with the fact that I'm having a coughing attack that it makes it 10 times worse. And I feel like everything's tightening up and I can't breathe and the world is ending. And that might be because I have huge tonsils. So when I am coughing, like I actually have no airway, like (laughs) I need to get them removed, but I'm scared of the pain. (laughs) So Anyway, I'm having this horrible coughing attack and I'm trying to hold it in. So there's tears rushing down my face and the girl behind me hands me a tissue. She like thinks I'm crying because I'm so emotional. But I feel like my body like actually reacted to how I was feeling internally. Like my body had this outward reaction. You know, they say like when you're laughing, it's because your body can't contain the joy that you're experiencing. So laughter is just the way you know, it comes out in laughter. And then I guess crying would be you can't contain the sadness. So your body cries. But yeah, I feel like my body just knew how I was feeling the energy like I felt it and I had to get out of there immediately. And then, you know, I walked into the house that I eventually would call my sorority and I felt a whole different kind of way. And just interesting, us sensitive people out there how sensitivity can be labeled as this absolutely horrible thing that you don't want to be, especially I feel like as a woman in the workplace, like you don't want to be labeled as sensitive. You don't want people to be scared to be brutally honest with you and like bold with you. But the thing about me is, yeah, I do have an issue with criticism sometimes. Like if someone's criticizing my work and I really, really loved it and they say not so great things about it, 
But I think that if like I have been in these arguments and powerful conversations before where I don't feel that way at all. I don't feel like breaking down. Like I do feel like I want to listen. And maybe it is like how it's presented and how people talk to me. Like if it's someone that I really respect, maybe I'll view it differently. But I don't know. I have just seen sensitivity as being this horrible thing. And I will say the TED Talker also commented on how, you know, it seems to be this feminine thing that if a man were to be sensitive, like it would be a bad thing. I do think there's been a movement recently on at least on TikTok and beyond where sensitive men and like, you know, just guys who are in touch with their emotions is being seen as this sexy good thing. And I'm glad that that's becoming a movement because I do think like in my future partner, I do want someone who can communicate their emotions and isn't afraid to and knows that they don't have to be this hard person all the time because there is so much power and courage and bravery in feeling everything so deeply and being very aware of shifts and aware of energy and aware of details. Like there is so much goodness in that and I'm so sick of people saying that sensitive people will never do great things or like will not be able to buck up and deal with the hard stuff in life and be able to pitch great ideas and be able to accomplish great things in the workplace. Because I have to say, like, in my experience working with a lot of different people, working in my corporate job, working in the freelance space now, going to brand dinners, which I do quite a lot and interacting with those people who work on these brands and like my friends, like I've been around, even if I am an influencer, I've been around so many people in the quote work world that everyone considers to be the world. And I've seen very, very sensitive people that are very detail oriented, absolutely kill it. Okay. Because they sense how other people are going to view their product and their service, like being introspective, but also aware of how other people will feel, like seeing both sides of it, like knowing what I want to accomplish as a brand, what product I want to make, but also thinking, I mean, you're in any business context, you have to think about what your consumer is going to feel and think. And that is a skill that highly sensitive people have. I mean, I can only speak for myself, I guess, considering I've decided I am one of those people. But I do think that any team needs people like us there because you need to be able to see it from all sides and not just one side, the money side, the brand side. You need to be able to see and think of other people. And it is hard because like I said earlier, it's not a one size fits all. Like I do have moments where I feel like I don't want to care about other people at all. I'm feeling selfish. I'm feeling just so out of battery that I can only think of myself. And those are the moments where I really do just stay home and lock myself up and get myself back to being me again. But I don't know. I just think like this is a justice for highly sensitive people episode. And if you consider yourself to be one, this is for you even if you feel like you're a walking contradiction because you can't quite figure yourself out. And yeah, I guess it's also an ode to listening to what people say about you. Like if it's a positive thing, hopefully, you know, because obviously people say a million negative things about me all the time. That just comes with being on the internet. But hearing Brooke and Danielle say that about me, and I know they meant it in a positive way. And I know that I do it for a positive reason, but it is about 
thinking about these things deeply and thinking like, do I do these things because I want other people to feel comfortable, but it also makes me feel good? Or am I doing these things only because I want to make other people feel comfortable and I'm literally setting myself on fire to keep other people warm? But for me, I've decided that, yeah, maybe when I was at Rita's Italian Ice, smiling ear to ear, hurting my face in the process, that was not at all for me. But now in the way that I carry myself, I want to be one of those people that people feel as though they can come to me, they can talk to me, they can DM me because I genuinely do care about people. And I know a lot of people out there feel that way too. And I know resting bitch face is a thing. And, you know, it comes out in different ways for different people. Like maybe you have a resting bitch face, but you can ask questions and you can ask people how their day was and you can do these things. And I'm so sick. I know it's like, it's hard because you don't want to be that person that is always just giving, 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 giving. But I do go to bed at night feeling happy that I am one of those people that gives what I can give. Because I can't always give a lot. But even if I don't feel like I can ask questions and really stimulate a very, very positive conversation, I can just have a little miniature smile on my face, little nice expression on my face. <laughs> Some people listening to this are going to be like, Katie, you're wackadoodle. Like, what on earth are you talking about in this episode? But I don't know. Maybe this will resonate. So let me know in the DMs what you guys think. Are you an HSP? And let's talk about it. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of Thick and Thin. Hope you guys enjoyed. And I will talk to you guys again next week with a brand new episode on Thursday. Bye. Bye.